Well, it's good to be with you, Bridge Goldsboro. So happy to be in the house today. How about all you Carolina football fans out there? Do we have any? Yeah, we got three in the house. Three, count them. Uh, I know we got a Kentucky fan because I met him when I, he walked in the door today. And uh, Georgia won yesterday too, so you know, all is well. But it is so good to be here with you today. I am Andy Stovall. I am the Congregational Life Pastor at the Bridge Princeton. And it's just so awesome. I know I say it every time I come, but it's so awesome to watch Gage up here leading worship. I've known Gage since he was four years old. Okay? That's really difficult since I'm 32. But... Um, <laughs> But I've known him a long time, and, and thank God for him. How many of you are so thankful for Pastor Ryan and the ministry that he provides here at the Goldsboro campus? He does an awesome job. Yes, yes. I tried to dress cool like him. I wanted to, you know, be in my V-neck tee and my, my shoes. But my T-shirts now come with a lump right here in the front, and uh, trying to figure out. How to buy some that don't, Dennis. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but, uh, but I'm trying to figure that out. But, you know, so it kind of gives it away that I'm not Pastor Ryan, but I am delighted to be here with you today. Such an honor to be with such a great group of folks, and it just always blesses me so much. And I was walking by so excited. I don't know. This is something that I don't ever want you to get used to seeing, but I walked by your wall over here that's lit up. It says 51 salvations and 10 baptisms thus far this year. Now, I'm telling you, that's something you need to be excited about. God is doing some cool stuff here at, at this location, and that is really, really awesome. So don't ever walk by that and just be like, well, you know, that's just what we do. We just, you know, 51 people get, get saved this year, and, and that's incredible, incredible. And then the worship, my goodness. I'm telling you if, you, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet, okay? Now, that is awesome, awesome worship that we had this morning. And it leads us right into what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you have your phones with you, you can go to the Bridge app. You can pull up the outline on the phone. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen. But we're in week number three of our Transformed series. And thus far... Uh, we, well, we've been in the book of Philemon, and in week one, what did we talk about? We talked about the fact that what? I can be transformed, right? I can be transformed. Philemon 1.11 says, Formerly Philemon was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. This is Paul talking to Philemon about Onesimus. Onesimus... Uh, this runaway slave in the book of Philemon, one chapter long, uh, this runaway slave, his name actually means useful. That's what it means. And so what we've learned is we can change. We can be transformed. Week number two was all about the fact that other people can change. How many of you are thankful for that? Are you thankful for that? Do you have a neighbor you're thankful that God can change? Glory, hallelujah. Um, that's huge because oftentimes, guys, we put people in a category, don't we? Don't we categorize folks when they've done us a certain way? Somebody's lied to you, what are they? They're a liar. If somebody's cheated you, what are they? They're a cheater. What do we say? Once a cheater, 
See? You didn't even know you categorized people. But you, we all are, we have a tendency to do that. But what did we learn last week? That we all can change. And just because we've told a lie doesn't mean we're a liar. Just because we've cheated once doesn't mean we'll always be a cheater. And the list goes on and on and on. But we can change. And we have to have that realization. In Philemon uh, chapter 1 verse 15. It says perhaps the reason he was separated from you were, for a little while. Was that he might have, uh, might have him come back forever. No longer a slave but better than a slave. As a dear brother. He is very dear to me Paul writes. But even dearer to you both as a fellow man. And as a brother in the Lord. Now this is a big, big ask for Paul to Philemon as it relates to Onesimus. See, Philemon had been wronged. And he had every right to punish this runaway slave. Even brand him. But Paul wants him to do something way different from that. He wants him to look at him as a brother. Not as a slave. He ran away. He was a slave when he ran away. But when he comes back, I want you to treat him even better. Well, he didn't do anything to deserve that. Does that sound a little bit like our relationship with Jesus? We didn't do anything to deserve his forgiveness. And yet, he loves us so much that he says, you come on back to me. We see it. In the book of Philemon, we see it in the story of the prodigal son over and over in the Bible. We see this. Onesimus has changed because he believed on Jesus. So today I want to conclude this series with this idea, with this thought. Because we're talking about being transformed. And I want us to look for just a moment this morning at the enemy of transformation. How many of you know what the enemy of transformation is? The enemy of change is comfort. Comfort is the enemy of change. How many, how many of you like to be comfortable? I like to be comfortable. I like comfortable places. I like to be with people I know. That's comfortable. I like comfortable clothes. You know, I, I didn't wear a shirt and tie today. Because I like to be comfortable. Um, you know, they even make now stretchy pant suits. They've made stretchy jeans for a long time. Man, Old Navy makes the stretchy jeans. And they're just, I don't have them on today. I wish I did. But they have the stretchy jeans. We had wild game supper last night. And I just, I had to repent when we got done. But, um. But stretchy pantsuits is a whole nother level of comfort there. It's like, yes, I can hit the buffet after church or any other fancy thing that I go to. It makes weddings a no-brainer, all right? Um, if you've ever been to Walmart, how many of you know that the people that go to Walmart love to be comfortable, right? Sometimes I see what they're wearing and I'm thinking, that don't look real comfortable, but I guess, you know, whatever suits you. But the people of Walmart love to be comfortable, so comfortable, there's a web page all about it, all right? There are pictures and pictures and pictures of all the comfort that they enjoy. Well, we said in week one that transformation is defined simply as this. It is a dramatic 
change. If we're going to be transformed, if we're going to be different, there's got to be a dramatic change in our life. How many of you know that you can teach an old dog new tricks? Right? See, when we buy into that lie, then we're saying, I can't be transformed. I can't learn something new. No, we don't want to learn something new. We don't want to be made new. We don't want to change because why? I'm comfortable the way things are. We, um, my dad, uh, my dad had a had a rotary phone for years and years and years in our house. How many of you know what a rotary phone is? How many of you have never heard of a rotary phone? You have no idea what I'm talking about. I got a few hands raised and a bunch of other dishonest people in the room, but. Um, <laughs> But our rotary phone went, went, went bad, like in 89, and in 90, or well, I guess right after it went bad, he called, because you used to call the phone company. You called the phone company and got you another phone put in the house. Well, he called up the phone company and said, ma'am, my rotary phone's gone bad, I need another one. Well, sir, we really don't put rotary phones in homes anymore. Well, I would really like one if you got one. Well, we probably got some in a room somewhere, and lo and behold, they found him a rotary phone. Put the rotary phone on the wall. We had a, a family get-together. One of my cousins was there at the house for Thanksgiving. She said, I need to call my mama. Can I call my mama on your phone? Yeah, your phone's right over there on the wall. She went over there and looked at the phone. And she looked back at us, and she looked at the phone again. And she looked back at us again, and I said, honey, you want me to show you how to use that thing? You got to stick your finger right in there and just go, right, right. You know? Daddy didn't like change. He did not like change. So he wanted that rotary phone right back in there just the way it was. But comfort is the enemy. It is the enemy of us changing. Now, a rotary phone is no big deal. Now, eventually, he got to where he couldn't have one. He had to get a touchstone phone. But when it comes to our life, and when it comes to the way we think and when it comes to what God is trying to do in our lives and who he's trying to develop and grow us into, we've got to be willing to embrace change and say, God, it's okay. I remember, I've been here for 24 years. I remember when I wore wingtip shoes and a suit every Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with going to church and wearing wingtip shoes and a suit every Sunday. But when we quit doing that, that was hard. It was hard for folks. There were, there were folks that just struggled with that. And I, you know, change was difficult. And, um, and so whatever that change is, it's not going to be easy. But if we're comfortable, we don't work for change. In order to change, you got to get a little bit uncomfortable. Ever been to the gym? You ever looked in the mirror and said, things need to change. I did it today. I'm scared I'm going to have to get my rotator cuff worked on. That's why I'm slow to do it. But when we go to get in shape, we want to lose weight. We got to change. It's not easy. It's difficult. We're sore. You go and you work out. You have arm day or you have leg day. And you're, and you're walking into the office the next day like, like this. And you, and you go to raise your hand at school. And you can't get it past your chin because you're hurting. Because change is difficult. It's uncomfortable. But I want to take it even a step further. I believe it's impossible for us to fulfill the calling that God has on our life 
and stay in our comfort zone. I think it's impossible. It's impossible. Let me say that again. I think it's worth saying again and maybe even an amen. (laughs) To fulfill the calling God has on our life and stay in our comfort zone. Amen? When God called me into ministry, almost immediately, within six months, I was 350 miles away from home. Never been away from home before. You, you men and women who have answered the call into the military, it's a calling. Going into the military, uncomfortable, right? It's not easy. People think it's easy. People think, ah, it's just something. anybody can do that. Nope, it's not true. It's uncomfortable. But when you answer that call and you serve your country in that manner, You've got to step out of your comfort zone. You've got to move away from home. You've got to be willing not only to move away from home, but to make a new home. And then while you're in that home, at any moment, be ready for somebody to look at you one day when you go into work and say, uh, tomorrow or next week or in three weeks, you're going away somewhere and you're going to be gone for six months. And nobody's going with you but you. And the team that's going, that's going alongside you. And so we can't... Fulfill that calling without doing that. We see it all in the Bible. Abram, God called him to be the father of many nations. He also told him, leave your home and I will direct you where to go. God didn't tell him where he was going. He just said, you go, you trust me, and I'll get you there. How uncomfortable is that? No GPS, no destination to point in. You just trust me and I will get you where I want you to go. What he does is he'll tell us a day at a time or maybe a week at a time or maybe a year at a time, but this is where I want you to go. What, do I, what about the rest of it, God? But what if I give up this? And, 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 and with what I have now and what I'm comfortable with, I mean, I know that, that this is taken care of and that's taken care of and I have certainty. And with that, I don't have as much certainty. God, what in the world are you calling me to do? But fulfilling our calling can be Uncomfortable. We want to know the plan. Moses, God called him a man who stuttered to speak to the most powerful leader in the world at that time. He had to speak to the Pharaoh and demand that he let the Hebrew people go. Let my people go. Can you believe how uncomfortable that would be? Unbelievably uncomfortable. I mean, can you imagine as he stood before Pharaoh thinking with every word that he uttered, this is going to be the last day of my life. He is going to laugh at me. He is going to throw me out. And I'm not going to see the light of day again because of what I've done. And then Jesus. God called Jesus to the ultimate discomfort. So that we undeserving recipients of his mercy could escape eternal discomfort. And torment. And separation from God. So Paul lays out in this, in this letter, this, this small letter, two steps as to how we can choose transformation over comfort. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Two ways to choose transformation over comfort. First, got to believe in someone. Believe in someone. Even if we do a quick read through the letter of Philemon, we see clearly that Paul believes in Onesimus. Some may say Onesimus, however you say it, potato, potato. 
Philemon in chapter 1 verse 8 says, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is, uh, it as none other than Paul, an old man, now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Paul is saying, I want you to believe in this guy. And he knew that Philemon didn't think highly of him. He knew that he had betrayed him, that he had left him. But what he was trying to get him to understand is that he had changed and he deserved a second chance. And if we're honest with ourselves today, we know that we've all stood in that place where we've needed second chances. Anybody ever needed a second chance? Anybody needed a third one and a fourth one and a fifth one and a whatever the number is now of the chances that we've received for some of the, you know, can I say, well, I'll say dumb things because... You know, I don't want to say the other word. And your children look at you and go, Mommy and Daddy, he said. (laughs) It would have been very easy for Paul to take one look at Onesimus and say, Look, you're uneducated. You're a runaway slave. The odds are you're not even going to be around that long. So I'm not even going to take the time to worry with you. As far as that goes, Onesimus could have said the same thing. He could have said, I'm not listening to this religious guy. He doesn't know what I've been through. He didn't grow up like me. He hasn't walked in my shoes. Who is he to tell me anything and why should I even listen to him? I want you to hear me this morning. The people that God calls us to believe in may not always be the ones that are the most obvious. It will surprise you. It'll catch you off guard. They may even be a little rough around the edges, but do it anyway. You never know who you might be helping, who you might be sticking your neck out for. I thank God that there were people that he sent along my path to help me on my journey. Aren't you thankful for the people God has put in your life on your journey with Christ that have helped you grow and develop in your relationship with God. I believe that's what he brought Pastor Ryan here to the Goldsboro campus to do. I think that's what he brought Pastor Gage here to do. You guys that serve week in and week out, God brought you here for a very important purpose, and that is to connect, to lock arms with someone else and to walk hand in hand, arm in arm with them, encouraging them and telling them, I believe in you. Somebody said that to me today. Told them I wasn't going to be at the Princeton location today. I was preaching in Goldsboro and this is what I had gotten set up for them uh, to hopefully uh, know what a win would look like uh, this morning at the other location. And all they did was text me back and say, I believe in you. I know you're going to do a great job. Man, that means the world. To know that somebody believes in us. But there's another step that Paul took with Onesimus. And that was that he took a risk for him. Are you willing to take a risk for someone? See, it's one thing to believe in somebody and encourage them to take a risk. It's a whole other thing to put your neck out on the chopping block. 
and say, I trust and believe in this guy so much that I know he's going to fulfill and he's going to follow through on the things that I'm telling you he's going to do. In, in Philemon chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, he says, If he has done any wrong, if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. Alright? So I, I'm going to let you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for anything he may owe you. Any wrong that he may have done, I'm standing in the gap for that. I'm going to take that on. But just a little reminder, you kind of owe me a little something anyway. So I would encourage you to do this. See, look at the risk that Paul's taking. He puts his reputation, his resources, and his relationship on the line. What are we putting on the line? What are we doing when we stick our neck out for someone? What are we doing when we say, man, I believe in this guy. I trust him what they're going to do. And this is how much I do so. Because I know that transformation has begun. And I know it's going to continue. But I know it won't continue and it won't be effective unless I walk alongside them in the process. So Paul takes this risk. What happens next? Whatever happened to Onesimus? Well, we learned uh, last week that we're in the middle of this letter. The letter, it, it, well, really the letter is the middle. Uh, the beginning, you know, we've looked back at historical evidence and we find that Onesimus was this runaway slave. But with certainty... We're not real sure what happened to Onesimus. But there are some things that biblical research and scholars have identified. Scholars say that the existence of this very letter points to the fact that Philemon released Onesimus. And if he hadn't, if he had rejected Paul's request, this letter probably wouldn't be around. We probably wouldn't be reading it today because it would have been destroyed because he told him, this is what I want you to do, and, and he did it. So we have very strong evidence that Philemon did not ignore what Paul asked him to do as it related to Onesimus, and it strongly suggests that he was freed. And there's one more thing. There's, there's a little more historical evidence that we look to. At the turn of the first century... Ignatius, the patriarch of Antioch, wrote that the Ephesian church was the most influential of its time. The church in Ephesus, the most influential. The reason, he said, was because of what happened at the temple of Diana. Diana was the goddess of perversion. An unspeakable sin happened there. Uh, the slogan, what happens in this place, stays in this place, didn't start with Vegas. It started here. It started in this, in this temple. Um, but the church of Ephesus reached so many people for Christ that it shut the temple down. That was why he referenced them so strongly. Well, do you want to guess what the pastor's name was of the church there at Ephesus that was able to have such a great impact on his community and the people around him and on the temple of Diana that it shut it down? Guess his name. 
Onesimus. Now, do we know for sure that it was Onesimus? Not 100%, but many, many scholars say yes. Onesimus was a popular name at the time, but it was a slave name. The chances that there was more than one slave named Onesimus who had been set free and was now pastoring a church was pretty low. That's pretty amazing. Philemon's obedience. Trusting, not just trusting Paul, but trusting God. Trusting and obeying God and doing the right thing led to many, many lives being changed because of that one step that he took. He wasn't the pastor of this church that did all this great work in Ephesus. Onesimus was, but because he set him free, he was able to do that. We can't be 100% sure, but we're pretty sure that that's the case. But what we see in this letter is just like Onesimus and just like Philemon, we are all being called to a legacy of transformation. What are we doing? What are we answering? What are we listening to? Are we hearing the voice of God and heeding it to become who He wants us to become so that lives can be changed? So that hearts can be drawn to Him? This has nothing to do with me. The sto- I, I, I hesitate to share this story oftentimes because I don't want it to sound like I did anything because I didn't. All I did was just trust God. But I was in an ownership class. The class that we're having next week, you're going to learn about who we are as a church. You're going to find out about the vision of the church and, and everything that we believe. But I'm in that class with a family. And I'm, I'm talking to this young lady, 23 years old, newly married, is excited about getting connected and involved in the church. And, and as she told me her name and kind of told me a little bit about her story, I said, you're so-and-so's daughter. And she said, yes, I am. I said, that is amazing. I haven't seen him in several years. But I told her this story. I said, when I first came to the church, about a year and a half into my service here at the church, this, this young biker dude called me up and he was rough around the edges and he was hardcore and he called me on a Saturday afternoon and he said Andy I got some stuff going on in my life and I'm tired of living the way I've been living and I need to make a change and I've been coming to church for a while and and I've been I've been listening to the preacher and I don't know how to do it, but I need to give my heart to Jesus. Man, it's Saturday afternoon. It's football season. I'm off. I just got in my sitting around the house clothes. I got my snacks ready and my chicken wings cooking and So I said, man, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm just kidding. I did not say that. He said, can you meet me? (laughs) 
talk to me about how I can give my heart to Christ. I said, yeah. I'll be right there. Meet me at the church. We went into the sanctuary and we got in the altar. gave his heart to Jesus and I've done that many times with many people and it's always amazing and that's why I said to you never look at that board and see 51 salvations and think that's a little thing and I told that story to his daughter This is what she said. She said, my dad led me to Jesus. I'm a Christian today because of my dad's example. And because he lived for the Lord. And because he was willing to walk the walk and not just talk. God allowed me to have just a small, tiny part in this man's life. Really, it was an intersection in his journey. And I got to meet part of the harvest of that choice he made that day. I got to see the result of the decision that he made. I told you when I started talking to you this morning that I moved 350 miles away when I answered God's call on my life. And that's not a super long way, but it was a long way for this little country boy from Georgia. And then I moved even further away when I came to Goldsboro. And my mama said, and has always said, aren't there people in Georgia that need to know about Jesus? Can't you come and get a little closer to home? And there have been times that I've wondered the same thing. And I've said, God, what are you doing? But he's never lifted the call for me to leave this place. And when I was sitting in that room with that young lady, and I heard her tell that story, I said, God, that's why. Our yes to you is so important. That's why not being comfortable and being being more concerned about being transformed is so important because we never know whose life we're going to impact. She hadn't even been born when I was in the altar with that man. But God knew. He knew what he was going to do with him. He knew how he was going to pour into his daughter. Man. Don't miss what God has for you. Don't miss the opportunity to build a legacy of transformation because we're more interested in being comfortable than we are being pushed into an area where maybe it's not maybe it's not where we're 
easiest, but we know it's where we're supposed to be. The story of Onesimus and Philemon is a beautiful picture of the distinction between law and grace. See, Roman and Mosaic law both of the Old Testament gave Philemon the right to punish the slave. But the covenant of grace that we see through our Lord Jesus Christ allowed both master and slave to fellowship in love on an equal basis in the body of Christ. Paul's payment of all of Onesimus' debt parallels Christ's payment for your sin and for mine. And Philemon's acceptance of Onesimus as a brother in Christ helped lay the foundation for the abolitionist movement centuries later. Way back then. Way back then. Philemon's yes to being moved out of what was comfortable. What was comfortable was punishment. He shouldn't have done that. But he extended grace. And it had a huge impact. Centuries later. On abolishing slavery. Maybe you're Philemon in the story. And you need to listen. And you need to let go. And you need to forgive. And by all rights, you can stand and you can demand justice. But God is saying, let it go and forgive. Maybe you're Onesimus. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and and you're like Steve who called me up. 23 years ago all the wrong and all the mistakes and all the junk in his life he could have easily said you know what I've done so much I've gone so far there's no way God's going to forgive me I mean Onesimus could have said that to Paul he could have said do you know what he can do to me if I go back Do you know what he can do to me if I go back and say, well, I'm just following the instruction of Paul and I'm trusting that you're going to forgive me. I'm trusting that you're going to free me. I'm trusting that you're going to let this go and you're going to allow his payment for my penalty to be okay, to be the substitutionary payment for my misgiving. He could have done that, but he didn't. He trusted. For some of you here this morning, it's time for you to trust in the price that Jesus paid on the cross. But for far too long, you've believed a lie. I've done too much. I've gone too far. My mistakes are too deep and too dark and too disgraceful for God to ever love or be able to forgive me. And what God is asking you to do right here this morning is to trust That not only he believes in you, but he has stuck his his neck out. He's given his all for you. And the payment that he's made 
is enough. Is enough. So would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes this morning? Father, we just we just come to you today. Thanking you for your word. Every song we sang in worship today was affirming that you are a God who keeps your promises. That you've won the victory. That you've paid the price. There's nothing we have done that has taken us so far that we're out of the reach of your love and forgiveness. And even though we may feel like it today, and maybe we've even become comfortable in it, you're calling us to something greater. You're calling us to freedom. You've been living in bondage too long. You've been living as a slave too long. Today is your day to embrace freedom that only can be found in Christ. Do you trust Him today? Will you say in your own words and in your heart, would you say, God, today I come to you. I'm not going to believe the lie anymore. I'm going to trust, just like Onesimus did with Paul, that your payment is enough. And I receive it. I acknowledge and, and understand that I've messed up bad. That I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And His name is Jesus. And I come to you today. And I ask you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm making it real easy. Not really that uncomfortable. But if that's you today. Would you just lift your hand. And say today God I come to you. I come to you today. I say yes. To you Lord Jesus. Maybe you're Philemon in this place. Maybe you're in a. In a place where you need to offer forgiveness. Where you've been holding something over somebody. And it has held them in bondage. And it's really unbeknownst to you. It's held you in bondage too. It's time to let go. And it's time to forgive. Would you be bold enough to trust God? offer forgiveness and walk away not only freeing them from that burden but freeing yourself from harboring that in your own heart and life God help us see the picture of grace in this story and help us embrace it help us God to embrace it as those that offer forgiveness but also embrace it as we stand in need of forgiveness.
we love you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it does in us. And I pray that we will be a people who leave a legacy of transformation in our path. We're not going to be here forever. So what are we going to do with the life you've given us? Are we going to live comfortably? Never stretching, never stepping out? Or are we going to leave a legacy of transformation where even when it wasn't comfortable, even when it didn't feel easy, we trusted you. And because we did, For generations that will follow. Years after we have left this earth. Lives are going to continue to be changed. Because we said yes. Once. Twice. Help us trust you Lord. Help us believe in you that way. And God. If we'll do that. This messed up angry place that we live in called this world will begin to look a lot different. Maybe not all over, but in our little corner. And then that may spread to another corner, to another corner, to another corner until we see unbelievable change and transformation in the world that we live in for the sake of the kingdom Let it begin right here in this little room in Goldsboro, North Carolina. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thank you so much for allowing me to be with you today. It's always my honor to to stand in this place. and um, I love you. I'm praying for you. Go out this week and make some choices Have some yeses to God that are going to equal transformation in other people's lives and in your life as well. First time guests, thank you so much for being here today. On your way out, don't forget to stop by the table, deposit your card. We have a gift that we want to give you there. Um, And also remember that this altar is open. Uh, If you do linger, please kind of linger out toward the back and into the lobby. Let's keep this area sacred as people come for prayer this morning. God bless you. Thank you so much for being in church. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon.